Turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Job, chapter 42. Actually, a couple of scriptures. After you find Job 42, keep your hand there and find 1 Kings 19. If you have your phone, then you've got to do it one at a time. <laughs> it's the perks of having an actual book, right? Amen? Yes, those that have your Bibles with you this morning. <laughs> All right. Job 42 and also 1 Kings chapter 19. Job 42 verse 2, the Bible says this, and Job writes these words, and he says this about God. He says, I know that you can do all things. Say that with me, all things. Job says, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. Repeat this after me this morning and say, God can do all things, but fail. Mm. Say that again. I want you to mean it this time. God can do all things, but fail. As you turn your Bibles over to 1 Kings chapter 19. After his great victory over the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah faced an enormous bout with depression. He was afraid of a wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. Many of you heard of her before in the Bible. She was the wife of King Ahab at the time, the king of Israel who had threatened to kill Elijah because of what he did to the prophets of Baal. And so Elijah, in fear, ends up running hundreds of miles away and hides in a cave. We pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. She said this, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. There he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I, he said this, he says, I've had enough, Lord. He says, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Bible says, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there besides his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Here you have Elijah, who just came fresh off of a battle. 
All right, I want you to envision this with me. I want you to, I want you to put yourself there and watching Elijah, watching the battle that, that, that just took place, that he had victory in. And then now this woman comes to him and says, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And what does Elijah do? He runs in fear. Tell me that isn't the enemy doing his work in his mind. He just came off a battle, off of a victory. Killing many, many soldiers, many, many warriors that were trained for battle. And now, here this woman comes to him and says, I'm going to kill you, and he runs in fear. I want you to grasp what has taken place here. And I want you to also take notes this morning because there's going to be a lot of things that I, that I need you to write down. Just put it in your phone, put it on a notepad, whatever you need to do. I need you to take notes this morning. First thing you need to put there is what we said earlier, God can do all things but fail. But I want, to, I want to bring a few things out as we read this chapter here this morning that God needs you and I to know. First thing here is this. I want you to write this down. God is quick to provide for us. Write that down. God is quick to provide for us. And you could put, instead of us, put me, amen? God is quick to provide for me. Make it personal. What do I mean by this? Well, look at what the Bible says. It says that while he was asleep, the Lord prepared, had sent an angel to prepare food for Elijah. This came out of nowhere. That when he woke up, there was fresh, hot bread waiting for him. I don't know about you, but I love me some fresh, hot bread. There's an Albertsons near my house, and between the hours, I, already, I know the hours too, between the hours of 4 p.m. and 7 p.m., <laughs> they make a promise to you. It, it, they even have it in writing, right? It's, it's a promise. Between the hours of 4 p.m. and 7 p.m., the bread that they serve, that French bread, right, that big old long French bread, will be hot for you. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been there between 4 and 7 p.m. to get me a, a pack of that fresh, hot French bread. I get home, I cut a piece, I throw some real butter on there. How many thank you, Jesus, for real butter, amen? None of that country crock. <laughs> Man, I go for the real deal. Throw some fresh butter on that, and I feel like I'm a kid again. I felt like I'm in grade school. Remember that, remember that fresh bread in grade school? Remember that stuff? No? No one? Just me? Man, I had the best school ever then. Oh, man. You guys should have came to my school. We had fresh bread. I can imagine him waking up and smelling the aroma of fresh bread and thinking, whoa, who made this? Where did this come from? I didn't make it. I was asleep. And then also a jar of water as well. This is God saying, Elijah, I'm quick to provide for you. Even though you're running in fear, I'm still quick to provide for you. You have to grasp the entire situation, church, of what's taking place here because many situations in your life you may find similar to what Elijah was going through. 
Yes, he came off of a victory, but now he's running in fear from a woman. And God says, I'm still quick to provide for you. The Bible says, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. I want you to write this down as well. God knows exactly what I need. Write that down. God knows exactly what I need. You see, God knew what journey was ahead for Elijah. That he was about to spend 40 days alone. Seeming to be alone. But he knew what he needed in order to sustain him. And this is the God that you and I serve, that not only does he provide for us, but he provides exactly what you and I need. You need to hear that this morning, because I don't know what you're going through in your life, but you need to know that not only is God providing for you, but he is providing exactly what you need. What you need, not what the person sitting next to you needs. He's concerned about you. He's also concerned about them too, all right? We're not leaving them out. But I want you to know that he's concerned about you personally. Personally. The Bible says he knows you by name. You know, how many times do you call someone brother or sister because you, don't, you just don't know their name, Right? You're trying to be all churchy, you know, hey, brother, good morning, sister. You just don't know their name, you're right? You're just masking your, your bad memory. <laughs> Thank God that you can use those things, right, in, in church, you know. Brother, sister, yes. <laughs> it's universal. God knows you by name, created you makes no mistakes how many believe that how many believe that, that you are that God does not make any mistakes amen yes he knew what he knew what Elijah was going to face and he provided exactly what he needed the angel said get up and eat some more because I know what you're going to be facing and you need this in order to sustain you I don't want this to be too much for you. Mm. We're almost getting into that one in a little bit. Verse 8 of 1 Kings 19 says this, So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength. Check this out. The food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Wow. Isn't that something? God knew exactly what he needed to sustain him because he knew what was up ahead. See, church, in your life right now, whatever you're facing right now, God knows what's up ahead. You may feel discouraged right now. You may feel even defeated. You may, you may, you may even face bouts of depression as, as Elijah was facing in his life. But God says, don't worry, my child. I know what's up ahead. 
And we may be thinking, well, yeah, God, I know what's up ahead too, and it doesn't look good. And God says, no, I know what's up ahead, and I'm going to give you what you need to succeed. Verse 8. So he traveled those 40 days to Mount Sinai, 40 nights, and that food sustained him. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, what are you doing here? I've called you to go elsewhere, but here you find yourself now hiding in a cave. What are you doing? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. He says, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. How many of you ever felt like you were all alone? Like you were all alone in your circumstance. Like you were all alone in this, in this battle. Like you were all alone on, in this journey that God has called you on personally. You feel like you're all alone. I want you to write this down. Appearances can be deceiving. Appearances can be deceiving. Here Elijah tells God, God, I'm all alone. There is no one else that is on my side. In other words, he's saying, God, I'm the only one of your people that is here serving you. How many times have we said that in our lives? God, I'm the only one serving you. God, maybe, God, I'm the only one in my family that's a believer. Hmm, how about that? I'm the only one at my job. I'm the only one at my school that is following you, Lord. I'm the only one that is making, that is trying to make these decisions to honor you. It seems like I'm the only one. People even make fun of me because of the decisions that I make or how I talk. Many times in life we can focus on all the bad things or the challenging things around us and it affects the way that we think not only does it affect the way that we think but it ends up affecting the way that we act or react look at elijah because he saw something a certain way it ended up affecting the way he reacted that's the elijah complex you can call it i guess when you get it, it makes you do strange things like running away from your problems. How many of us have tried to run away from our problems and not face them? We do this in life because sometimes it feels, sometimes it seems easier to just run away from them and not deal with them and not, and not, and not get it face to face. But instead, fear causes us to run away it caused elijah to run away it caused him to hide in a cave but it does this to us this is real 
instead of moving forward with the sustenance that God had provided him, that fresh bread that came out of nowhere, that jar of water that held him those 40 days and 40 nights, instead of moving forward with that, he hid in a cave. What happened? He lost sight. He took his mind off of the Lord. He lost peace. What does Isaiah say in Isaiah 26, verse 3? He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Repeat this after me this morning. Lord, help me to keep my mind stayed on you. Say that once again. Lord, help me to keep my mind stayed on you. The Bible says that he helps those. He gives them peace. The Bible says he gives them peace, those who stay their minds on Jesus Christ. You keep your mind on Christ, and God is going to give you that peace. But when we take our mind off of Christ, guess what? We find ourselves running. We find ourselves running from our problems. We find ourselves scared. We find ourselves not wanting to do this or that because we're facing these situations. Why? Because our mind isn't stayed on the Lord. Don't ever say that you're the only one. Don't ever say that, that, that the devil is winning. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that God has lost the battle. Because he has not lost the battle, amen? He is always winning, amen? And because you are on his team, you are going to win as well. You're on the winning side. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're on the winning side. See, God never lets it get down to just you. Mm. He never lets it get down to just you. God is always working things out. But appearances can be deceiving. Don't be deceived by the appearance of things and situations around you and I. Let's pick up in verse 11. Verse 11 says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle whisper. I want you to write this down. God is quick to comfort us. God is quick to comfort me. Write that down. You see, God had plenty of things that he could have used to reveal himself to Elijah at that moment. The Bible says that there was a mighty wind 
a mighty wind that was so mighty that it was blowing, it was, it was blowing the rocks off the mountain. They were actually loosening from the mountain because the wind was so strong. God could have revealed himself in that wind. Imagine how loud and strong that wind must have been. Then the Bible says after the wind, there was an earthquake. Once again, another great opportunity for God to reveal himself. Then after that, the Bible says, was fire. We know that God has revealed himself through fire before. But still, he did not reveal himself. Then the Bible says, there was a quiet whisper. Out of all the things that Elijah was facing, all the noise that Elijah was hearing in this ear, in this ear, all the distractions, all the things that his, his, his mind was just going wild with all these thoughts and, and, and they're, they're going to kill me. So you know what? Lord, take my life first before they kill me and I'm so afraid and I don't know what to do and I hear all these voices and all these voices and all these voices and all these voices. I just want him to stop. How many of you have ever found yourself in that kind of situation where you just kept hearing these voices and you just wanted it to stop because there was no peace, there was no comfort, but God in his greatness is so quick to comfort He's so quick to show Elijah, Elijah, I'm here with you, and I am comforting you. And I'm going to comfort you right now in a still, small voice. I could have used all these other things, but you know what? It would have brought more fear into your life. And I want to remove fear from your life. Because how many know that fear does not come from the Lord? Amen? But instead, what does he bring? peace. Doesn't it remind us of how Jesus entered the earth? Doesn't it? He could have had this grand entrance as a, as a baby. God could have used anything to bring Jesus in that was, that was just spectacular. But it was very humble, no? Yes? Very humble the way Jesus entered this earth. There was no place for him to even stay, the Bible says. There was no room for him. How about how, he, how when he entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, on a donkey? Doesn't it remind you of, of how Jesus presented himself? God pre presents himself in a small whisper. Jesus prevent, pre presents himself in that same humbleness. Verse 13 says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, 
I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Maloth. Forgive me for the mispronunciations. To replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Check this out in verse 18. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Now I want you to write this down. God never loses a battle. Write that down. God never loses a battle. Did you hear what God just told Elijah? Did you hear what he just told him? Do you remember when Elijah's first words to God, do you remember what those first words were? He says, Lord, I am all alone. Everyone else is killed. I'm the only one left. I'm the only follower of you that is left. But God, in his greatness, in other words, tells Elijah, Elijah, I don't lose battles. Mm. Elijah, I don't lose battles. I don't know if you've heard, Elijah. I don't know if you've got the news or you read the paper this morning, but I don't lose battles. I don't know if you saw on the news this morning. I don't know what book you were reading, but you need to know that I don't lose battles. And he says, I'm going to show you right now. He says, little do you know that I have a reserve of 7,000 others that are with you as well. He said, you, you didn't even know about them. But I believe Elijah wasn't supposed to know about them until the time was to come. Because why? Because God has everything already prepared, church. Man, this should excite you. Whatever you're facing this morning, I don't know what it is, but God does. God does, and he knows what you need. He knows what's going to sustain you, and he knows what's up ahead. God doesn't lose. God never, ever loses. So he tells Elijah, look, I know you've been, you've been crying this many times now that, that you're all alone and, 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 and everyone's dead, but no, I have an army, a reserve that is just like you. They serve me and they are going to fight for me and they're going to fight with you as well. 
In other words, you are not alone. You're not alone, Elijah. The Lord is fighting our battles. Luke 1.37 says this, For the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. What does that mean? That means that it always wins. Doesn't it? What's the opposite of failure? Winning, success, right? You fail a test. What's the opposite of failing a test? You passing the test. The word of God always comes through. The word of God always stands true. See, there's a few things that God cannot do. I know you're probably saying like, what? God cannot lie, right? Cannot lie. God cannot deny himself. That means that if you or I are faithless, God is always faithful. He cannot deny himself. God cannot sin. There's things that God cannot do, church, because it would contradict who he is. God cannot fail. He will not fail, you and I. He will not. I don't care what those voices are trying to tell you or convince you of that are otherwise, that are contradictory to what the Bible says, but God cannot fail. You need to shut out those other voices. You need to run from those voices and start running to what the Word of God says. Run to what His Word says. Lord, Your Word says that it'll never fail. Yes. Yes. Stand on that. Stand on that today. Stand on that tomorrow. How many of us have stuck our necks out for someone else? You know, maybe, maybe you were, you know, putting yourself out there. Maybe someone was going for a job and you were a job reference, you know, and what, what you're telling them is, hey, this is a good person. You want to hire them, right? You want them on your team. They're, they're, they're a good worker. They're, they're committed. They're faithful. And then what do you tell the person? Don't fail me, <laughs> right? Don't fail me. Listen, I put, my, I put my neck out there for you. It's my name that you're using. Especially when you want to get them at, at, at your job, right? Hey, I put my name out there for you. Don't fail me. What are you telling them? You're telling them you need to be committed to the task at hand. If work starts at 7 in the morning, you need to be there at 7 in the morning or earlier. Preferably earlier, <laughs> you need to commit yourself. Don't fail me. We ask this of people, and how many know that people will fail us? But God will not fail. God will not fail. See, when you tell God, you say, God, don't fail me. He says, of course not. Who do you think I am? You think I'm flesh and blood like you? I'm not like you. 
I'm not like your neighbor. I'm not, I'm not like so-and-so. I don't know who you, you, you grew up with, but I'm not like them. I don't fail. I don't lose. You can count on me. You can rely on me. I'll always be there for you. This is God, and this is him speaking to us. God is committed to helping you through whatever it is he's committed to helping you through. See, God never loses a battle, and write this, write this down as well. God never wastes a battle. Write that down. God never wastes a battle. A.W. Tozer said these words, really great author, says, when I understand that everything happened, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Mm. When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. So you need to tell yourself, self, everything that is happening in your life is to make you more Christ-like. Everything, everything. Everything, everything. You go back and forth. Everything means everything. Nothing is excluded. Joy and pain Peace and turmoil, emptiness uh, and fullness, uh, suffering and ease, uh, all of these things. You know, people who love and care for me, people who are talking bad about me, all, everything is to make me more Christ-like. Nothing is wasted. <laughs> Nothing is wasted, church. I know it's hard to believe, but this is how God operates. You may look at situations and you think, how can this be making me more Christ-like? Trust God. Trust him. Keep your eyes on him. Allow him to use those situations, amen, to remove maybe some things that you don't even know about in your life that shouldn't be there. God wants to remove those things, and he removes it, amen, uh, uh, in, in, in uncomfortable situations, right? In the fire, he removes those impurities, doesn't he? I mean, no, fire is not a pleasurable place. But it's in those circumstances and in those situations that God purifies you and I. And he removes those things that need to be removed. See, our difficult circumstances in life can cultivate a dependence on Christ. I know you know that to be true as well. Because it's in those times where you feel like, I got nothing left. I'm done. I'm wiped out. And then what do you do? You turn to Christ. What do you do? You pray. Even the ungodly do this. <laughs> when, when they feel like they got nothing left, and, they, and they've made all these poor decisions in life, now they're all alone and no one to turn to. All those people and things that they put before God. And when all those things are gone, who do they turn to? God. Matthew 5, verse 3. 
says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Mm. Wow. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Oh, man, I love it. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Mm. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Some of you facing loss here this morning, allow God, allow God to be that one that you need, that you would draw close to him. Oh, that you would, that, that, that you would cling to him. Because of the hurt, because of the pain, God's going to give you everything that you need. He's going to sustain you. He's going to give you his comfort and peace. He wants to be the one that, that is most dear to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. As our worship team goes forward this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, I think you ought to know about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good, Paul says. He says, but that was good. For then... We put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us. He says, we saw how powerless we were, but it was good because we started to put everything into the hands of God because only he can save us. And he says this, and he did help us and saved us. And I want you to hear this. Paul says, and we expect him to do it again and again. Oh, man. I love it. I love Paul's attitude in his writings. This is Paul we're talking about. You know, terrorist turned evangelist. <laughs> Think about it. And Paul says we turn to the only one who can help us. And what did he do? He helped us. He saved us. And Paul says, I guarantee you, it won't be the last time. He's going to do it again and again and again and again and again. Why? Because that is who God is. That's who he is. See, our battles are never wasted. Why? Because we can bless others. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm blessed so that I can bless others. Say it again, I'm blessed so that I can bless others. That last part is important, all right? You know you're blessed, but what is that blessing for? It's to bless others. It's not just for you. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Mm, there it is right there. Clear as day in God's word. How? How do we do that? How do we comfort others in our times that we need comfort ourselves? How do we do that? God says, you will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to you. That's how. That's how. Not because you found comfort some other way, 
because God showed you comfort. And God shows us in many ways, church. He does. I know he does. And God says, now I want you to use that comfort that I have given to you and to pour that same comfort into someone else. Don't allow these battles to be wasted. Don't allow these hurts to be wasted. Don't allow those mistakes that you make to be wasted. Don't allow loss to be wasted. Don't allow it to be wasted this morning. God wants to use it. God doesn't waste a thing. He knows what he's doing. He is with you and he will always be with you. He knows what's up ahead and he knows what you need to make it there. And not just make it there crawling, amen, but shouting victory in the name of Jesus. Second Corinthians, I'll close with this. Second Corinthians 4, verse 8, Paul says, we have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated, amen? We do not know what to do, but we do not give up the hope of living, yes. We are persecuted, but God does not leave us, yes. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. All these things that we encounter, all these things that we go through. But we are not alone. We serve the God who does not lose. We serve the God of victory. He is the God of victory. He has created victory. In the dictionary, under victory, should just be the word God. That's what it means. Victory means Him. In Him, there is victory, and only in Him. See, God can do all things but fail. Church, you need to remember that. He can do all things but fail. Hopefully you were taking notes this morning because there's so many things that God needs you to know. And God is going to remind you of tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is going to be reminding you throughout your days of this word this morning to help you through. Because I'll tell you right now, these things, these situations and circumstances are coming your way. They are coming your way to a home near you. (laughs) What are you going to do? Who are you going to rely on? Who are you going to call? Hopefully not Ghostbusters. <laughs> Hopefully you call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hopefully you call on God the Father to help you through. Lord, I know that you have reserves, Lord. I, I may feel alone right now. I may feel empty right now. I may be in need right now, but I know that you have reserves, Lord. So pour Pour on these reserves into my life right now, Lord. Pour them on, Lord. Bring them. Bring them, Father. I want to see victory. And Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me not to run and hide. Help me not to run from my problems. Help me, Lord God, to face them.
with you, Lord God, face to face, Lord God. We're going to get through it, Lord. We're going to get through it. Why? Because you're a God of victory. We're going to get through it. Help me, Lord, not to live in fear. Let's give God praise this morning. Let's give him praise, church. For he is worthy. God is worthy. He's worthy, church. Lord God, you are almighty, all-knowing. Yes, Lord, as every head is bowed, every eye closed.